Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Jason Wright Show, where the mission is to improve always and always. And I want to use today's episode as a bit of a follow-up to the episode that I released last week about your personal board of directors. If you haven't listened to that, please do so. I think one of the easiest and most tactical ways to improve our lives is to surround ourselves with good people, good, sound advisors that will always be honest with us, that are more interested in our well-being than being always nice and just telling us what we want to know, and that will also challenge us to be better. I also mentioned in that episode that it's important to have a virtual board of directors or mentors. Um, so this, and it's, it's interesting, one of my potential board members, my virtual board members, uh, has always been a guy that most everyone else that I guarantee you that I look up to and admire, if they have a virtual board of mentors, this individual is probably on their virtual board, and that is Charlie Munger. For those of you who do not know who Charlie Munger is, he is the now former longtime 45-year partner of Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway. He just passed away November 28th. And with the passing of Charles of Charlie Munger, we didn't just lose an incredible investor, just another billionaire. We lost one of the wisest uh, guys on the planet. And the cool thing about Charlie Munger, if you've never listened to any of his interviews or if you've never read uh, Uncle, Ch I think it's called uh, Uncle Charlie's Almanac, which is his famous book where it's just kind of his homespun wisdom on life and investing, then you've really missed out. So I, I encourage you, first and foremost, go look, just do a YouTube search on Charlie Munger interviews. Uh, as, as you know, Buffett gets most of the headlines because he was the, he's the main principal at Berkshire Hathaway. But by his side, his wingman for 45 years was Charlie Munger. And as I, as it, whenever he passed away, I started doing more and more research about him and just want to figure out, you know, why do all these people that I admire, admire Charlie Munger so much? And one of the things that I kept noticing about Charlie Munger, which is which most of you, if you if you've looked at any of Warren Buffett's work, you realize that these guys, while they are brilliant, I guarantee you their IQ is very very high. But what makes these guys so great, in my estimation, from all the research I've done, I've read numerous books on Buffett, is what we call common sense which are those things that all of us should know to do and to not to do. These guys had the uncommon sense to apply it consistently over decade after decade after decade. That's what made these guys uncommon is they, they knew how to use their uncommon ability and apply it to common sense, things we know. And there was a, an interview that CNBC did that was supposed to air on Charlie Munger's 100th birthday next January. That was 99 years old. Amazing. Crushing Diet Cokes and Peanut Brittle up to the day he died. And as a matter of fact, I was just listening to an interview that he did uh, earlier this year where during the interview with uh, Becky Quick, and it might have been the interview that the last interview he did. I'm not, I'm not sure. But he was in the interview drinking a Diet Coke and eating his peanut butter, I mean, his peanut brittle. So you could listen to the crunching over the microphone of his peanut brittle. But the guy's 99 years old. He's worth over $2 billion. He didn't care. He's going to crush his 
peanut brittle during the middle of an interview if he wants to. That was Charlie Munger. In fact, one of the funny things I've read about him in the past is that he always liked being the smartest guy in the room, but he also knew he was probably the smartest guy in the room. And it was often, he's, he even admitted it might have been a problem for him throughout the course of his life because he was so aware of how smart he was. But nonetheless, I loved his just little insightful nuggets of wisdom on living life, investment philosophy and principles. And I want to talk a little bit about it today. And then I'm going to actually play a clip of an interview that he did where he basically is just talking about this idea of how common sense is, is not common at all. Really, whenever we say someone has a lot of common sense, what we're saying is that they have a great deal of uncommon sense. Or my twist on that is, again, what I said about, about Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett is that they had the uncommon sense to apply what should be common sense over and over and over and realize and benefit from the compounding effect of that execution. So here is Charlie Munger's advice, what should be common sense to all of us for living a long and happy life. He said it's to avoid crazy at all costs. Now, what does that mean? Okay, so here's one of the things that I think is, it, when you drill down into it, all of us should know that if you pursue crazy, if you're a chaos junkie, you're probably going to lead a more miserable life. And so I know one thing, as I've gotten older, I think one of my primary missions in life at this point is to avoid hassle. I can't stand going to get my cell phone replaced or to discuss a bill that they've gotten wrong. I can't stand to talk to internet service providers. I just had an incident this week where I had made a payment in person and it never cleared the bank. And so I had to go speak to someone in person and I just, I can't stand that. My goal in life now, almost more than anything, I mean, I have other goals that are much more prevalent, but I just want to lead a life, lead a life of no crazy, no hassles, just calm and low stress. And here is how Charlie Munger kind of drilled down on this principle of avoiding crazy at all costs. He said, uh, let me get, let me get here. That said, um, he had avoided major catastrophes in his life because he was so cautious, always avoiding obvious risks in his personal life and career. Crazy is way more common than you think, said Munger. It's easy to slip into crazy. Just avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And then here's what Warren Buffett had to say about his 45-year business partner's idea of crazy and what he would not do. He would say, my partner, my partner, Charlie, says there is only three ways a smart person can go broke. Liquor, ladies, and leverage. So in other words, he was saying liquor, ladies, and debt. Which, how many times do we see people slip and fall to their demise because they've drank too much, they cheat on their wives, they get addicted to pornography, or they borrow themselves and leverage themselves to the hilt. If you know anything about Berkshire Hathaway, they basically fund all their acquisitions with the cash flow of the other businesses. They do not believe in leveraging themselves. And that's why during the financial crisis, the federal government was looking to Warren Buffett for loans and looking to Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway to basically stabilize the markets, much like decades before they had done with JP Morgan is because he wasn't so leveraged. He, he, he always had a strong, and still does to this day, Berkshire Hathaway keeps an incredibly strong cash position. 
They're ready. They can weather most any storm. Charlie also said, as far as other definitions of crazy, Munger clarified his general stance on personal vices. If it can take that many fine people into deep trouble, stay away from it. That included smoking and drinking to the point of alcoholism, he said, noting a prevalence of alcoholics and near alcoholics in his own family. I want to say something about this for a moment. As if you listen to the show at all, or for any period of time at all, you know I've talked about how I have not had a drink of alcohol in over five years now, and I don't plan to have one for the rest of my life. And it's not because I had a problem. It's not because I was necessarily afraid of, of what it could do. It's just this became one of those deals where I asked myself, is the risk worth the reward? What is the benefit of drinking alcohol? And what are the risks? And the benefit was maybe just relaxation and kind of a little bit of fun at social engagements. I liked a good scotch. I liked the way it tastes. But that was a pretty minimal upside compared to the potential longevity in my lifespan, the clarity of thought, the greater productivity that I would have as a result of not drinking. And so I abrogated alcohol from my, uh, from my life. And I think that that's one of the things that what he's saying here is that if you look at these things that bring down so many people, why would you do it? I, I, it baffles me to no end right now, hearing all these people that get caught. I mean, we're talking about not just, not just the, the Gen Zers that are having the, the, the fentanyl problems and all the, the issues going on there. In my hometown, my small hometown of Sulphur Springs, a former bank president, deacon of the church I grew up in, essentially died of meth usage, of, of meth addiction. I mean, it, it will come, and, and I, I think to myself, that was a bright, smart man, good business guy. Why in the world would he subject himself to that kind of crazy, knowing that it had brought so many people down? So a lot of this, again, we know this. You and I know this. You right now, you are doing something that you know you're playing with fire. You know it has brought down many people. Some of, I, I guarantee you, look, the odds just are some of the men listening to this program. You're addicted to pornography right now. You're drinking too much. You know, there's, 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 a, there's a woman right now listening to this, this podcast that's cheating on her husband. So it's common sense that these are bad things. Right, we know that's common sense, but what's uncommon is the person who absolutely outright rejects this craziness at at all costs, and that, my friends, is what made Charlie Munger really special. Here's what he said: Also, my game in life was always to avoid all standard ways of failing. You teach me the wrong way to play poker, I'll avoid it. You teach me the wrong way to do something else, I'll avoid it. And of course, I've avoided a lot because I'm so cautious. You see, being extremely cautious doesn't mean living a life of fear. It doesn't mean thinking that you've got to have a, a an H1 steel-clad, armored-up Hummer driving only 20 miles per hour for the rest of your life. That's not what it means. But what he says here, I think, is so profound in two little words, standard ways the standard ways of failing. We all know what these standard ways of failing are, yet how many of us let ourselves sink into these standard ways of failing? 
We spend money that we don't have. We eat things when we're not hungry. We have conversations with the opposite sex when we shouldn't. We we take for granted our job and we don't work as hard as what we possibly is what we should. We do all these crazy things and the it seems like so for so many people the common thing to do is to buck common sense. Charlie Munger was not such a person. And so if you want to know why, and this is what I think baffles most people, when it, can't, when it comes to Warren Buffett, arguably the greatest investor of all time to have ever lived, was it his brilliance and his intelligence that made him such a good investor? It certainly helped. You can never discount the fact that, you know, like Usain Bolt can run faster than any human ever has. I guess he still holds the world record for the 100-meter dash. I don't even know. But either way, he was one. It, look, that was a lot of talent that he leveraged, his, that, he, that he parlayed his incredible work ethic uh, with to become one of the greatest sprinters that's ever lived. So, yes, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, brilliant guys that, that leveled up by applying hard work and discipline. But really what it was for these guys is they had these brilliant minds, but they also had the uncommon sense to just use common sense on a consecutive basis. I did a, a quick episode last week also about the formula for failure. Well, the formula for failure is making bad judgments on a consistent basis. It's making bad decisions judging poorly over and over and over again. It's kind of like the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing, making the bad judgment over and over and over, expecting expecting a different outcome. What these billionaires have done, Charlie Munger did, was he made the common decision. Excuse me. He made the, he took the common knowledge the common sense and applied un, an uncommon fashion, applied a consistency to it over and over and over again. And the compounding of his uncommon application of common sense led to him leading a happy, fulfilling, and yes, he had a great deal of wealth. But if you've ever looked at Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, you know, these are not some, these guys aren't on yachts. They're not you know, you're not going to see them doing stuff for the gram, these old dudes. No, you're probably going to see Warren crushing a Dairy Queen soft serve and a, and a Coca-Cola. And, and the cool thing is, this is what's amazing about these guys. They can take the things that they love and enjoy these simple things and go buy the company that produces them. Again, that's what uncommon application of common sense will do for you. But Let's listen to a little bit. I wanted to include today some of Charlie Munger's, um, just his, his wisdom in his own words. I suddenly realized, like, I just avoid all the folly. You know, maybe I can get an advantage without having to be really good at anything. And I kept doing that all my life. And it worked so well that I, I, I enjoy sharing it with people like you. It really works to tackle much of life by inversion, where you just twist the thing around backwards and answer it that way. I have any problems to my children. And once when I had all of them together, I said, well, there's an activity in America 
There's a one-on-one tournament. And the national champion became the national champion on two separate occasions, 65 years apart, name the activity. And seven of my children could not remotely do it. The eighth is a PhD physicist, and he did it very quickly. And what he did was he just turned it around. He says, it cannot be athletic. And he realized that no, no 85-year-old was ever going to win an athletic thing with the neurological or other deteriorations that are so evident tonight on the stage. And, <laughs> and so I said, well, it could it be chess. He's a chess player. And he realized that no 85-year-old was ever going to be the U.S. chess champion. He knows what a chess tournament is like. But that led him to checkers, a game that you could almost master with enough experience. And of course, that was the correct answer. It took him about 15 seconds. All kinds of problems like that that look so difficult. When you turn them around, they, they, they are quickly solved. And, and so this process that I've gone through life doing of identifying folly and trying to avoid it has worked wonderfully for me. Another trick that, that I got very early was that I loved big ideas that had a lot of instructive power. And I liked them so well that I didn't mind when they were in somebody else's territory. I just went in and took the ideas. So I paid no attention to, to the territorial boundaries of academic disciplines. I just grabbed all the big, big activity, uh, ideas that I could. And then I used them in daily activity to solve problems and amuse myself and do self-education and so forth. Well, that makes me a collector. I'm a collector of inanity. And, and I, I've cataloged the inanities on structures in my head. And it's been a wonderful thing to do. If you stop to think about it, how many unhappy collectors do you know? Whether they collect silver or mistresses or, you know, by and large, collectors are happy. And collecting inanities is just wonderful. Can you collect your stamps the way I once did? I soon had a U.S. stamp collection I couldn't afford to add a stamp to. Well, what fun is collecting when you can't afford to the next stamp? When you're collecting inanities, there's never a shortage. And there's all this low-hanging fruit. We had one this morning from the governor of New York. When you, this is just a wonderful activity, and it's amused me and instructed me all my life. And, and another thing that I, I got into when I did that was to be very interested in seeing how these ideas interplayed together. There's not big academic reward or worldly reward for integrating one discipline for a strange discipline, but a strange discipline that's not your own. So if you do it in your head, you're in it. I want to say something about this really quick, because right here, what he's talking about, what he's about to describe is exactly what I have learned from James Altucher. This is his idea of idea sex, taking these two things that are seemingly disconnected. And when you can find a correlation and a way to leverage one thing for another, it can be one of the single most empowering strategies that you'll ever find. So I really think it's cool that 
one another one of my actual virtual mentors, and, and in fact, I've been on James Altucher's show as one of his mentees, uh, he uses this exact same principle as Charlie Munger, who, by the way, I will most definitely be adding to my virtual board of mentors uh, here here very very soon. Well, actually, he's already he's already been uh, made an official member. So anyway, let's continue. A territory without much competition. Warren always says you should take the high road in life because it's less crowded, and 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 this is a less crowded mental road in life, and it 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 really works. And of course, when you do that, you get into issues where ideas are in conflict. And of course, it demands synthesis. Well, a lot of people, when they see a demand for synthesis, just synthesis immediately retreat into whatever orthodoxy they came from. That's not the monger if there's two big, powerful ideas and there's a terrible tension between them and synthesis is, is, is demanded. I look it up if I can, and if I can't look it up, I try and figure it out. And if I have a poor approximation, I use that for a few years until it gets better. I got this. I got another idea that was very useful. I always liked Occam's razor. Now, that is a wonderful way to think. You can argue that Einstein's whole career was just a marvelous demonstration of Occam's razor. I mean, e equals mc squared is a pretty damn simple idea, but think of the power of it. And, and then Einstein developed, some people say, a corollary, a counter corollary to Occam's razor. This may be apocryphal because I've never seen it in any original source I, I trusted, but I've seen the Einstein quoted with this observation over and over again. Everything should be made as simple as possible, but no more simple. Well, if Einstein didn't say it, he should have said it, because this is a very sound idea. I later developed a supplement to that corollary, and my supplement to, to Einstein's corollary was that about Occam's razor, was in messy social science. If the result you're observing is a lollapalooza, look for a confluence of multiple causes, multiple forces operating in the same direction. I got to that idea when I was trying to explain to myself how the Moonies were able to get some student to come out for a weekend in the country at the end of the weekend, the guy was a brainwashed zombie who was the slave of some megalomaniac nutcase for the rest of his paltry life. And this is obviously a Lollapalooza result. And so I looked in academia for an easy, correct answer to this. And of course, I didn't find it. I finally stumbled across a popular book done by some psychiatrist founded by the Rockefellers who had studied the last work of Pavlov. And Pavlov had these dogs in these cages. And when the Leningrad flood came in 1920, it went right up to the dogs' noses, and they damn near drowned and died, but didn't, and the stress was perfectly horrible. And they'd all been conditioned to have these dog personalities, and when the waters receded, the personalities had reversed. Well, Pavlov, being a great science, spent the rest of his life giving nervous breakdowns to dogs and trying to reverse those breakdowns. 
And this is not pretty reading, but it was very instructive. And I realized that the Mooney methods and the involvement of stress was clearly part of it. I also realized that the psychiatrist did not have an adequate explanation. Finally, I stumbled into psychology in which I'd never taken a course. And so I just bought the three main textbooks in Psych 101 in the country, and I riffled through them quickly. And, you know, I could pick up the 20 main ideas in social psychology very easily. And when I used them as a routine... Make a point right here real quick. What he says is, is so amazing. So he went and he bought these textbooks, right? So you and I right now, for free, no charge, can go to MIT, one of the greatest institutions of higher learning that's ever existed, right? They're open courseware. You can take Psych 101 right now. I've got the textbook over here. I, I took Psych 101 in undergrad, but I was looking for some, some, there was something that caused me to need to do some research on psychology. And so I went to the MIT open course where, and I enrolled in, which is free. It's completely free all online. I enrolled in this course and then I ordered off of Amazon a used textbook that was part of the syllabus that was given to me. I think it cost me, I want to say 25 bucks. It was pretty old, probably not the most updated, but it didn't matter. Um, so I only say that it's doing these things that I can tell you, and by no means am I comparing myself to Charlie Munger by, oh my goodness, no, no way. But one of the things I can tell you is that we now live in a world where you and I, some bumpkin like me from Sulphur Springs, Texas, with an undergrad from SFA and an MBA from SMU, can on a whim take a psychology course at MIT at no, at no charge. There's two points to be made here. One, you can the, the, the information is there. The course is there. It's accessible for all of us. But two, you're doing it because you want to. You're doing it strictly for the knowledge of it. That right there, see, that is... The common sense tells you that, you know, if you want to know how people think, you should probably go learn something about psychology. That's common sense. The uncommon practice is to do what Charlie Munger did and go buy the top three books on psychology, rifle through them, and get an understanding to answer this question that he has for no other reason than to satisfy his own question. That's the uncommon aspect. And so I only pause here to kind of, one, to reinforce for myself, but also to, to give you, the audience, this is how uncommon sense works. Common sense says you take Psych 101 to get through your bachelor's degree because it's a, it's a, it's a required requisite to, to graduate. Uncommon sense is Charlie Munger learning psychology to answer his own questions. So I can see that the Moonies were using about six of these things in combination with the Pavlovian stress. And, and just as the dog's brains mapped in the Leningrad flood, the, the Moonies have a term in their conversion method called, called causing the target to snap. Same damn idea. And anyway, I found that very interesting. And because I would reached a conclusion, a very unpopular, unpolitically correct Conclusion, what I've just given you. You know, because it gets into religion's conversion is a tough subject. And 
But anyway, it satisfied me. And so I expanded it into this corollary of looking for a confluence of causes when you see a Lollapalooza result in, in social science. And that has been enormously helpful to me because I find that a lot of social scientists, scientists have a weird mania where they twist everything into whatever little concept they started with. Again, it's that old saying, to a man with a hammer, every problem looks pretty much like a nail. And, and I have worked hard to avoid that problem. And of course, if you grab the big ideas in all the disciplines, uh, by definition, you're a man with multiple tools. So you're less likely to, to commit the inanities of the people who, who twist every problem into being a nail. Well, at any rate, there were a series of tricks like that that I used as I, I went through life. And it was amazing how many times I'd find something that I could easily solve with my little bag of mental tricks that had missed other people who were eminent in their field. I could go right into their territory sometimes and see more clearly than, than the professional denizen uh, how his conclusions fit into the bigger picture. Again, this is a very dangerous attitude to have in ordinary social discourse. It's a very good way to invest money. So I think that that's what, that's what I wanted the, the main takeaway to be from playing that clip was that essentially what made Charlie Munger such a great investor was that he was such a great thinker first. He was a collector of solutions. He was a collector of, uh, he, he would find unusual problems that had already been solved by the, the, by the great thinkers. And he would reverse engineer them and, and figure out what other big problems could be solved with this same strategy. It was an uncommon application to common knowledge, common sense. And so the takeaway today is, if you want to improve your common sense always and always, then the first thing that I think we all have to do is to uncommonly apply common sense. Common sense says doing drugs can kill you. Uncommon execution is never, ever touching drugs. Common sense says that. All 100% of all alcoholics drink alcohol. Uncommon sense is knowing that I will make sure to drink zero alcohol and I will apply that uncommon application of knowledge for the rest of my life. Charlie Munger was a brilliant investor indeed, but more than anything else, he was an incredible thinker. So. I hope you enjoyed this. Go check out some interviews. Again, I've mentioned this recently on the podcast and talking about the board of directors, the virtual board of directors. There is so much knowledge out there for the taking. And so instead of using our screen time for TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, I challenge you to go out and find an interview with Charlie Munger, with Warren Buffett, these great minds, go, go learn, be a collector of knowledge, not a collector of crap.
Learn how to uncommonly practice common sense. Have an incredible week. Thank you for listening. I'm Jason, and I'm out.